AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldis.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. You're listening to AI in Action. I'm your host, JP Valentine. Our guest today is Peter Nell. Peter is the CTO of Oculus. Peter, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, JP. Well, listen, thanks for joining us. Been very much looking forward to this one. Excited to learn about everything that's going on in Oculus. But let's start with yourself. Can you give us a, a brief background of your journey? Where you first got involved in technology, some of the marquee roles you've held along the way, which I know there's a few, um, taking us up to how you landed at Oculus. First got involved with technology, boy, you shouldn't ask an engineer that. That's that's age three or four, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so is all your listeners, I'm sure. So I, I the accent that you're hearing is South African. Um, I studied uh, electronics engineering at the University of Stellenbosch, just outside of Cape Town. I did my master's degree in what we call digital signal processing at the time. But but really, you know, the subjects were all the AI stuff that we do now. Um, my focus was speech recognition, um, wrote a couple of papers on that, but you know, this was 20 years ago and like with so many things, it takes 20 years to go from the lab to where it's a consumer product. Um, and it just wasn't at the time. So I started my career more in the outsource software development space. We did a lot of infrastructure software as a software house uh, part of Flextronics at the time, but, and um, we did 3G mobile protocol stacks for the Intel, Alcatel, Ericsson's of the time. And we played with AI, you know, this was the time when speech recognition companies like Nuance and Dragon were trying to, you know, enter the market, and we all thought this is fantastic, this is going to revolutionize especially the, the call center space, but, you know, never really took off. Um, so I actually took a detour after a couple of years myself. One of my friends at that point had founded the world's first mobile instant messenger out of South Africa. Um, he suddenly had $30 million in funding and a million users overnight. And this was just exploding. And I joined that as the CTO and actually spent about a decade in the mobile social space all over the world. Um, interesting because you're sitting with millions and millions of users and there's an enormous amount of data and this was in the early days we still had proper data centers this was before everyone started moving to cloud so but there was data and there was always interesting things to do you know just like everyone else at the time we did you know friend suggest and all these algorithms to try and maximize the network effects so yes uh, uh spent a full decade in that did a couple of them in in between consulted to some of the large tech players we had good links into China at the time out of South Africa. So I consulted to Tencent on their mobile social platforms in markets outside of China. I ended up at one point being the COO of the first, one of the first mobile live streaming companies here in New York. You know, after about a 10 year ride in that space, I thought it was time to go back to my first love, which is AI. And this, I'm talking 2016, 2017, just when you know this really got traction. And I also thought, you know, let me go and see, see it in the portfolio fashion. And I took a very unorthodox move, according to my engineering friends. 
and, and it was true. And I joined McKinsey here in New York as a consultant and uh, spent two and a half, almost three years as an AI strategy consultant working with our clients all over the world on their data strategy, their AI strategy, and uh, had the opportunity to meet lots of very interesting folks. We did a number of reports on the impact and value of deep learning that was exceptionally well received globally. And it gave me the opportunity to really see where, where all the gaps are, where, where one can best focus this technology. And while there, we were looking at a number of fintech infrastructure companies, um, and Oculus was one of those that I got exposed to. And I was really impressed. I mean, first of all, they were a block away from me in lower Manhattan. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. It's fintech. And, and then the, the key factor was Oculus had this, had this strategy that I've been beating the drum, drum about to all my clients. Like, you need to have a data flywheel. You need to have access. If, if you really want to get AI right, you need to have access to your own labeled training data that feeds into better models, that feeds into better products that gets you more clients. And that again, gives you more training data. And because Oculus does human in the loop AI and there's an in-house team of about a thousand labelers, it was one of the few, few tech companies that had that. Never mind, you know, Series B startup at the time. So I actually approached them, started a conversation, and uh, Vic and Sam, who leads Oculus, was, was gracious enough to have me join, and I've been there as CTO since the 1st of March. Really great to hear about your journey, you know, an early adopter in, in two industries which are now dominating the tech space. But, but what's great to hear about is how you identified Oculus and you, you viewed them as somebody, uh, it was so, an organization doing something very special, and you um, reached out to them. So, um, for anyone listening who's not familiar with Oculus, can you give us a high-level overview of, of what the company does, the impact it's having to the, to the, to the space that you're in, and uh, then talk us through what your role as CTO involves? Our mission statement is essentially that we help financial services companies make high-quality decisions and to do it in an automated and efficient way and with trusted data. And, and really how that works is... Um, we got our we got our initial traction in the in the small business lending space, and if you think about places like on deck, but you know also more consumer lenders like SoFi Lending Club, their clients want to have fast decisions when they apply for a loan. So all their clients would be asked to upload a bank statement and maybe a W two and a couple of other things, and while they're sitting there looking at the at the SoFi webpage, you know, within a couple of minutes, the decision comes back whether the loan is approved or not. And what we do is through an API interface, all those documents come to us and we rapidly digitize them, uh, look for fraud and compute a number of analytics and then returns it back over API to, to the lender and, and plugging it directly into their origination systems. And Whereas that sounds simple, and, and it is, the technology around it is very sophisticated. Um, in order to do it in, you know, in a quick turnaround time, standard OCR just isn't accurate enough to be effective. Our clients require 99% plus accuracy in order to make those lending decisions. And when you do it, even with the state-of-the-art OCR systems right now, it just doesn't cut it. So part of our secret sauce and in our innovation has been to to break apart these documents as they come in into, into little bits and pieces 
And, and we always use the example of Google Capture. So every document is broken apart. Those aspects that can easily be identified and digitized through computer vision and natural language processing, et cetera, those get done automatically. Where the algorithms aren't confident enough, it goes to a human and it does that in parallel with all these different bits and pieces. And after a couple of minutes, everything is combined back into a document, cross-checked, validated, and sent back. And, and that's, the, that's part of the, you know, the, the, the way in which we're constantly mingling both machines and humans is our core innovation. Which is clearly working very well. Um, and that speaks to the, the growth of the company over the last two years. Uh, and then also recently with, with COVID, I think it'd be good to, to talk about the impact that you guys had with the supporting of the small business lending program quite lucky, I would say, and you know, it was a privilege to be in, in, involved with that, in that, uh, but this is, this is what we're really good at, is, you know, folks were familiar with what happened there, is that the government was kind of making up the rules as they went along, and there was a lot of uh, specifications and, you know, ways to do things and documents that'll be needed that was being clarified really up until the last minute before they launched this program. And we ended up processing quite a bit of that volume um, on behalf of various lenders who the government you know, allowed to, you know, to deal with these loans. And again, the, the fact that we have so many humans in the loop means that we can essentially uh, onboard almost any kind of document. And, and we're talking about some quite obscure tax documents that were being used as part of that, you know, to be evidenced as part of that uh, that program and, and we could onboard them really fast because you know initially it's done somewhat manually so it, maybe it's slightly slower but in the in the manual process our human labelers are essentially digitizing that document and in doing so are creating the label training data that we then just shift to automate this thing with um, and that really sets us apart from from many other shops who kind of have to create somehow label training data up front before they can automate anything and because of our integration, we're just really fast and, and nimble in that respect. So yeah, we, we, we spent quite a bit of time doing that and it was a good ride for us and we were happy to make some small contribution um, to alleviate some of the pressure we're all feeling in this space. It's great to hear. Um, so you and I spoke previously about your remit as, as CTO and where the business can go. Could you give us some insight into what the, the various, various responsibilities are that you have and then talking specifically about the, the data science and AI that's driving the, the product forward, um, current advancements and, and, and future additions to, to the service? Let me start as, almost as the way that documents flow through our systems. So what doesn't scale and what doesn't work is to just do this in a fully human fashion. That's clearly, that's obvious. And, and we, you know, we've taken on quite a bit of business that replaced folks who used to in the past have a large amount of BPOs essentially sitting in a, in a Costa Rica or in India that just does this manually. So, so we've done that. And the reason we can do that is because we start automating as soon as we bring new documents and new clients on board. If you don't, then of course your human component just, scales linearly with the amount of business you're doing and that is just not sustainable. So my focus is largely to keep our, our human labelers and human verifiers as we call them, to keep them roughly stable in terms of headcount, but by continually automating away more and more tasks, 
it leaves the human verifiers to do more interesting things and you know, to add more value while the simpler stuff just gets automated away. And you know, that goes further even that you know, as some of the cloud offerings expand and you know, upgrade in terms of maturity, it's no longer necessary for us to build our own models. So we start you know, just shifting around in what we can get off of Amazon or Google, et cetera. So the, it's a continuous focus on automation and using you know, off the shelf where we need to and then building our own models where we need to and then finally using the humans when, when none of that works anymore. You make it sound so simple, but I know it's something that a lot of organizations really struggle with. Um, you mentioned earlier about the data flywheel. It's not a, it's not a phrase I hear as often. Um, I'd love to have you talk to us about how this can either positively or negatively impact the success of a business, uh, depending on how well they utilize this, if at all. Yes, of course. And, you know, flywheel, I like, maybe it's the farm boy in me out of South Africa that's talking there. But, you know, the other way to just call it is network effects. You know, this is what even a Facebook in principle gets or used to get right. And they're a good example, if I may be controversial, but because they relied on everyone contributing their data because that allows you to better do advertising targeting. So for us, you know, the fact that we're building these models and it leads to better products and that gets us more clients works in our favor because, you know, it allows us to scale. Um, in our case, of course, there's, we deal with financial clients and, and we pay extreme amount of attention on privacy and compliance and all these aspects. So there's, there's a real art in getting those network effects right when you're dealing with this kind of information. And that's another part of our secret sauce is being able to operate in that environment. And, you know, previously from a consulting perspective, um, what I saw so many people struggle with is that to bring in these kind of models and innovations in terms of AI into an ex existing established business is really hard because you're, you're, you, you not only have to deploy a model, you have to change your whole way of working and thinking. And that, that many folks find very challenging to, to get across. So being a startup, we're not, we're better positioned to be nimble and to be, to do the right thing and do it from the beginning. But you're talking about what can happen if it goes wrong. If everyone starts leaving because there's no trust and you don't believe that they're dealing with your data responsibly, then your network effects works in reverse. Your flywings start spinning in the opposite direction. For companies like us, the risk is that you do something stupid or you get hacked. Um, and therefore we pay a lot of attention to not be in that position and to deal responsibly with, with models and with, with data. Yeah. I think it's an important topic that, and it's refreshing to hear that, you know, organizations like yourself are, are taking it so serious from, from, from its core. Look, you've joined what is all, what was already a, a very successful business. I, I mean, amazing round of funding last year, the growth of, of sheer headcount has been exceptional. You joined the beginning of the year, albeit during uh, challenging and interesting times, but you're venturing back into the startup world. What has been the experience like and what do you love most about working for Oculus? Well, for, first of all, it, it is immediately evident from starting to speak to, to Sam, our CEO, and Vic, our CEO, that you know, this, is, this is a friendly environment of, of people who are working really hard to achieve something, but to do it in a way that, you know, that, that where everyone has agency to achieve something that they're proud of and to do it in a collaborative, friendly manner. I mean, to me, 
when you get this right, when you get the blend between Wall Street and Silicon Valley right in terms of a startup, it's it's for me the sweet spot. And 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 Sam and Vic certainly have uh, have gotten that right. And and you mentioned that I approached them. We find since and that that is pretty much what we look for. We have a number of our more senior hires have all approached us, and that's a key indicator to me. I, I thought I was unique, but I wasn't. <laughs> it, it seems that many people are, are are attracted to what's on offer here. If ever there was an endorsement of a great place to work, it, it's that last statement, the fact that so many people are, are approaching you guys directly. I, I wanna stay on this point of what it's like to be at Oculus. Um, you're still involved in, in the hiring for, for the data team, which is great because it means that um, for candidates, they're, they're getting to speak to people at the very top, but it also means you're getting to assess who's the right fit. Can you give us some, some insight? Can you give us some, uh, what we call maybe cheat sheets or, or, or helping candidates who are listening here, you know, what, what it takes to be successful in the interview process, what it is you look for, and then what's the environment like if you're a, a data scientist, machine learning engineer? Sure. Well, you know, there's the obvious technical chops, but that's kind of just table stakes. That, I mean, that's, that's what you need just to have the conversation really. So, and that's universal. So do find that having been in a, in a startup before is helpful. It certainly doesn't disqualify anyone if they haven't been, but because we have many folks from environments that are similar, they may not have been startups, but you know, if it's fast moving and agile and things are changing a lot and, and there's lots of scaling involved, that's basically what we look for. And it's hard in the more senior roles to just have that experience if you haven't gone through it. I mean, we're, we're certainly open to help folks get that experience, but you know, right now we're, we're moving really fast and, uh, so scaling experience and, and then the obvious stuff, cloud, containerization, data science, you know, but table stakes, like I say, I think the, the, the distinguishing factor here is, is an exposure to the fast moving nimble environment that we're in. That's really helpful. Um, final question for you. Things are moving very fast. Uh, both within the, the financial markets, but more importantly for Oculus, and you guys are having some amazing success. What does the next 18 months to two years look like for you? I know it's hard to predict any further than that, but as you see the, the data team continue to grow, where, where, do you, where do you expect it to be and what are you most excited about? So I mentioned we, we got our initial traction as a company in small business lending, but you know, there's a number of vertical industries that has that share those same dynamics. For example, mortgage, you know, whereas it used to be okay to wait three weeks before a bank approved you for a home loan, folks want the same kind of turnaround time for that these days. And in order to achieve that, you have to use a service like ours. And there are multiple verticals like that, that we're going into as, you know, the consumer's expectation for speed increases. So it, what that means technically is that there's a lot of interesting problems. They're parallel, but they're never the same. It's different document types, it's different types of clients, it's different things that comes across your desk. Um, so from a machine learning perspective, there's, you're just seeing a lot of different things and they all need their own models to be developed. So, I mean, it's almost to the point where it's different for every client that we onboard. So I see a lot of very interesting work 
continuing to come across. And with that, we'll probably double the size of the team over, over the time period you indicated. And you know, there's a lot of interesting R&D that we're engaging in. All the developments that are happening in the world of machine learning and AI is, is things that we're adopting because it gives us so much um, better opportunities for automation. Uh, the latest stuff we're playing with, you know, everyone is familiar now with BERT as an NLP model, but so it's not brand new, but we're still putting in some real effort to, to put it to good use in our environment. And although we may not be implementing last week's paper, that, um, we're pretty close to that. We do read them and uh, we do try and find opportunities to, to be cutting edge uh, in this respect. Thank you for, for talking us through all of this, Peter. Uh, really exciting things happening at Oculus. It's great to hear the success you're having, but also how much future potential there is for, for what you guys are doing in, in disruptive and almost real-time automation. Uh, we're excited to see what's in store. And uh, yeah, we, we can't wait to, to connect again soon. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, JP. It's a pleasure speaking to you. And of course, if folks are interested in hearing more about us, we're in Lower Manhattan. Find us online or hit us up and we'd be happy to talk to you. AI Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston, and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to Aldus members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldus member and get the Aldus advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldus.com. That's www.aldus.com. Aldus International, empowering through AI.